This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. A glimmer of hope in the race to a vaccine as America heads into the darkest days of the pandemic. And tonight, President-elect Joe Biden's warning if the transition doesn't begin soon. The distant light at the end of a long, long tunnel. Early data suggests Moderna's vaccine is nearly 95% effective. So when will it be available to you? A million new cases in just one week. To stop the spread, more governors announced new restrictions. No indoor dining, no in-person learning. And as hospitals are straining to keep up, some sick patients coming off life support insist COVID isn't real. They deny it. Their family members deny it. And the first thing they're trying to communicate is that it's all a hoax. Plus, as the crisis worsens, hunger grows. Thousands of cars line up for food. Costing lives. President-elect Biden calls on President Trump to start the official transition. More people may die if we don't coordinate. As Michelle Obama says, this isn't a game and calls on the president to honor the electoral process. Breaking news. The president's plan to withdraw troops from Iraq and Afghanistan. Why it's opposed by top military leaders. Powerful new hurricane. A Category 5 storm bears down on Central America. Scouts dishonor. Nearly 93,000 alleged victims file sex abuse claims against the Boy Scouts. The remarkable recovery. How a hiker found unconscious after getting lost in the snow survived, even though his heart stopped for 45 minutes. And everyone loves an underdog. How Maggie made it from the pound to the police force. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin with breaking news on a potentially game-changing vaccine against coronavirus at the same time that infections of the virus here in the U.S. are now growing by the millions. Tonight, the biotech company Moderna says it has developed a vaccine that is nearly 95% effective and capable of preventing severe illness. The company says with emergency approval from the FDA, it could start giving the shots to high-risk patients and healthcare workers as soon as next month. Well on Wall Street, investors reacted enthusiastically, pushing U.S. stocks to new highs. Even as experts warn, the country is plunging deeper into a deadly and dark winter for the pandemic. And as we come on the air, the U.S. has surpassed 11 million cases. That's a million new infections in just one week. That's two million since the beginning of this month. And hospitals, well, they're reaching a breaking point tonight, treating nearly 70,000 COVID patients right now. And with the Thanksgiving holiday next week, take a look at these lines at food banks stretching for miles in Dallas as mayors, governors, impose tough new restrictions on family gatherings. Well, we have two reports on the vaccine and the crisis tonight, beginning with CBS's Dr. John LaPook. The initial results were striking for Dr. Stephen Hogue, 
Moderna's I, president. I, I, it took my breath away for a minute. I'm sure I was grinning ear to ear. An independent review found out of 95 cases of symptomatic COVID, only five participants received the vaccine, sending a strong signal for its effectiveness. Another important finding, the vaccine prevented severe disease. Of 11 cases, none were in the vaccine group. It was really, really impressive, quite impressive. Dr. Anthony Fauci's team at the NIH collaborated with Moderna to develop the vaccine. Am I seeing the Tony Fauci equivalent of jumping up and down in excitement? That's not my style, John, but I got to tell you, close to 95% efficacy in a vaccine for a respiratory virus like this and as, as a new virus is really quite an accomplishment. The news comes a week after drug maker Pfizer said its vaccine candidate was more than 90% effective. The coronavirus uses a spike protein to attack cells. Both the Moderna and Pfizer two-dose vaccines contain genetic information called messenger RNA, which instructs cells to produce harmless versions of that spike protein, triggering an immune response to the virus. But as soon as it's approved for use by FDA, the trucks will roll with vaccine in hours, and that will continue round the clock. One distribution advantage? Moderna's vaccine can be stored for up to 30 days in a regular refrigerator. Pfizer's vaccine requires ultra-cold storage. Moderna is part of the government's Operation Warp Speed and could deliver 20 million doses by the end of the year, ramping up to 40 to 50 million a month in 2021. Michael Rouse, who participated in the Moderna trial, says a vaccine is key to ending the pandemic. It's so important that we all get this vaccine. It's the only way we can control this virus. The virus is not going away. And John joins us now. This seems like an incredible breakthrough. But when we know that healthcare workers and the elderly will be the first to get the vaccine, but what about everybody else? Well, Nora, as you suggest, it's going to be a phased rollout with those people getting it first. And then over the course of 2021, you're going to see the states having a rollout plan. Now, tens of millions of doses are available each month. We expect that by April, a good proportion of Americans will have gotten the first dose. And now I know that now is a tough time. Everybody has COVID fatigue and it's a devastating time in terms of the spread of the of the illness. But don't lose hope right now. This is a time to double down on all those fundamental measures that we've taken, especially wearing a mask. And if we keep doing that, we can flatten the curve. Remember that, flattening the curve, so that when the vaccine does come along, uh, we have a better chance of getting this pandemic under control. It's an important piece of advice. Thank you, Dr. John LaPook. And even though there's optimism about that new vaccine tonight, the U.S. is now averaging nearly 150,000 new COVID infections per day. CBS's Carter Evans is in Utah tonight, where hospitals are now overrun. Good evening, Carter. Good evening, Nora. Intensive care units across the country are filling up. Here in Utah, the number of COVID patients in ICU has doubled in the last month. They have a respiratory triage center set up in the parking lot of this hospital, anticipating a surge of COVID patients. Utah is shattering records and cases are skyrocketing. A quarter of new test results are now positive. As ICUs fill up, healthcare workers are feeling the strain. We're tired, mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted. Nurses Nate Smithson and Janine Roberts work at Intermountain Medical Center, Utah's largest hospital, where for some patients, even the cold COVID reality still isn't real. They deny it. Their family members deny it. Well, we have these patients who literally are on life support. We're working super hard to get them better. 
finally helping them to wake up and then the first thing they're trying to communicate is that it's all a hoax. This really affects you. Yeah, of course it does. Yeah. The stress is being felt around the nation. This thing is going crazy. It's spreading like wildfire. In St. Louis, residents are now being urged to stay home. We have no backup. If we stay on the path that we're on, even just two more weeks, we will not have the staff we need to care for patients. In El Paso, it's not just hospitals, but the coroner is also overwhelmed. Inmates are being paid $2 an hour to load bodies into mobile morgues. In California, cases have doubled in the past 10 days. Tonight, Governor Gavin Newsom is halting most of the state's efforts to reopen. We are now moving backwards, not forwards. Michigan is now imposing new lockdown measures, severely limiting indoor gatherings. In Washington, the governor is announcing an immediate shutdown of gyms, theaters, bowling alleys, and indoor dining. If you act early, you can save lives. And if you don't, you'll be swamped by a tsunami of this virus. And the pandemic is continuing to take an economic toll. This line in Dallas is for food. Local officials say they served 25,000 people. While shelves of basic supplies are emptying fast in Chicago as the city's stay-at-home order takes effect today. Back in Utah, Dr. Brandon Webb says there is still pushback over the state's new mask mandate. What do you want people to know right now? It's no longer about politics. I have seen more human suffering in the hospital in the last month than I've seen in my career. And doctors here tell me they are seeing COVID patients of all ages. A new study in the American Academy of Pediatrics suggests that more than one million children in the U.S. have been infected with COVID. And Nora, that is more than one in every 10 cases. And staggering to see how it's affecting our health care workers. Carter Evans, thank you. Today, President-elect Joe Biden said President Trump's refusal to admit that he lost and begin the transition is, quote, embarrassing for the country. He also said the president's stonewalling is putting American lives at risk in the war on COVID. CBS's Nicole Killian reports tonight from Wilmington, Delaware. We're going into a very dark winter. President-elect Joe Biden issued a dire prediction today when asked what will happen if his transition team is not allowed to consult with the president's top health officials. More people may die if we don't coordinate. President Trump's refusal to engage on the pandemic is angering governors from both parties who are seeing cases rise to record levels. We're in the middle of a war and we don't know who the general is going to be. Some governors fighting the virus are even under fire from the administration. Dr. Scott Atlas, a member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, told people to rise up after Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer issued new COVID restrictions in the state. The idea that the president's now existing, remaining advisor on COVID is saying that they should resist. What the hell's the matter with these guys? Meanwhile, President Trump refuses to concede, tweeting an acknowledgement yesterday that Biden had won, but then claimed he had won. How did you interpret that? I interpret that as Trumpianism. <laughs> uh, no change in his modus operandi. Biden's former partner in the White House told Scott Pelley on 60 Minutes that Mr. Trump needed to think beyond his own ego and concede. My advice to President Trump uh, is if you want at this late stage in the game to be remembered as somebody who put country first, uh, it's time for you to do the same thing. 
the former president also compared Mr. Trump to Richie Rich, calling him the complaining, lying, doesn't take responsibility for anything type of figure. Former First Lady Michelle Obama also weighed in, writing that she warmly welcomed Melania Trump to the White House during the 2016 transition, despite being angry at Donald Trump for spreading racist lies about my husband that had put my family in danger. Mr. Trump's national security advisor today became the highest-ranking official to acknowledge Mr. Biden publicly as the next president. If the Biden-Harris uh, uh, ticket is determined to be the winner, and, and it's you know obviously things look that way now, uh, we'll have a very professional transition from the National Security Council. There's no question about it. Tonight, a stunning allegation in the Georgia recount. The state's top election official says he's coming under increasing pressure from some Republicans, including South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham, to throw away legal absentee ballots to reverse President Trump's loss in the state. Graham said that's ridiculous, but confirmed he did ask how ballots are verified. Nora? Interesting war between the Republicans. Nicole Killian, thank you. Tonight, President Trump is expected to significantly reduce U.S. troop strength in Afghanistan and Iraq. Now, that's despite warnings from Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and fired Defense Secretary Mark Esper that the move could lead to more violence in those countries. CBS News has learned American forces would be cut by about 2,000 in Afghanistan and by 500 in Iraq. That would leave roughly 2,500 U.S. troops in each country. There's also some breaking news tonight from Central American America, rather, her. Hurricane Iota, now a monster Category 5 storm, the strongest this year, is about to slam Nicaragua. Thousands scrambled for higher ground today as Iota knocked down trees and knocked out power on the Caribbean island of San Andres. Iota is expected to make landfall tonight with 160-mile-per-hour winds. That's a life-threatening surge of sea, water, and up to 30 inches of rain in a region still reeling from Hurricane Ada. Today, thousands of alleged victims raced to file sexual abuse claims against the Boy Scouts before a court-ordered deadline. The once-revered institution now faces bankruptcy as a lawyer for alleged victims calls the abuse an unspoken norm that went on for years. Here's CBS's Errol Barnett. Tonight, nearly 93,000 alleged victims have filed sexual abuse claims against the Boy Scouts of America, reaching back decades with some victims as young as 10. Frank Spinelli was 11 years old when he says he was molested by his troop scoutmaster on Staten Island. The assistant scoutmaster and the parish priest convinced my parents not to go to the police. The Boy Scouts of America had been harboring Um, institutionalizing child molestation for decades. The 110-year-old institution filed for bankruptcy this year and established a victim's compensation fund to keep operating. Just look at the number of claims filed against the Catholic Church. It's nothing compared to the number of people come forward with this bankruptcy. Paul Mones represents more than 300 alleged abuse victims. A, you know, a pyrrhic victory only to the extent they'll get some compensation, but it's, it's nothing like what people would really deserve. In a statement, BSA wrote, the response we have seen from survivors has been gut-wrenching. We are deeply sorry. But survivors like Spinelli want more. This is still going on, and the Boy Scouts are going to have to acknowledge that this isn't over yet, and that simply paying out rewards is not enough. It's about enacting change. Errol Barnett, CBS News, New York. 
This next story is simply amazing. A hiker who got lost on Mount Rainier in Washington state is recovering tonight. Doctors brought him back to life after his heart had stopped for 45 minutes. Here's CBS's David Begno. From his hospital bed in Washington state, Michael Dupinski relived what he could remember. I was just taking really small steps because I couldn't see anything. He was snowshoeing Mount Rainier when he was caught in blizzard conditions. Hiking, he says, helped him overcome drug addiction. This time it nearly killed him. Dupinski was unconscious as Navy helicopter pilots spotted him. The 45-year-old arrived at Harborview Medical Center in Seattle right as his heart stopped. CPR was performed for 45 minutes, no response. His temperature was 30 degrees below normal, and that sent his body into a kind of hibernation. So it buys you more time. Doctors put him on the ECMO machine, which functions as both the lungs and the heart, putting oxygen in the blood and taking carbon dioxide out. We finally got to a point where we felt like we could shock his heart out of that dangerous rhythm back into a normal one. And it worked. Two days later, ICU nurse Whitney Holen called out to him. And he opened his eyes. And I said, Michael, are you with me? And he like turned and looked at me and nodded his head and gave me a big smile. What are you thinking listening to this? I love all of it. Just amazing. His prognosis is great. His gratitude is even greater. David Begno, CBS News, New York. So much to be grateful for. Tonight, a former Harvard fencing coach and a Maryland businessman are charged with bribery and another alleged college admissions scam. Prosecutors say Jack Zhao conspired with coach Peter Brand to get Zhao's two sons into Harvard as fencing recruits. They say the bribes totaled more, totaled more than one and a half million dollars, including the purchase of a house, a car and college tuition for Brand's son. All right, the NCAA is in talks tonight to hold its entire basketball tournament in Indianapolis this spring. The original plan called for March Madness to be played at 13 different sites, but organizers say they were impressed by the success that some pro sports had in holding their championships in single locations during the pandemic. I say that's a smart idea. We want our March Madness. Okay, we love this story. The officers in a small-town police department can't say enough about their newest recruit, especially considering the unusual route she traveled to get there. Here's CBS's Chip Reed. Maggie, the newest member of the Owego, New York, police force, isn't your typical canine, says her partner, Officer Andrew Pike. She's got quite a story. She does, yeah. Uh, She was found as a stray in Long Island. Unlike most police dogs who come from overseas and cost upwards of $10,000, Maggie was a stray. The pit bull Malinois mix was adopted from a shelter and returned twice. Her high energy level might have made her a tough fit with a family, but perfect for police work. Good girl, Mags. Good girl. There's no better partner. She came to Owego thanks to the Southern Tier Police Canine Association, which finds shelter dogs, trains them, and places them for free. We're matching up with departments who can't afford to have a dog on their own. I'm sure a lot of people are surprised that a homeless dog could become a police dog. It takes a unique dog to, to go from being a, an orphan to somebody who goes to Disneyland every day with her partner. Officer Pike says she's a policeman's best friend. She's spoiling you. Are you really going to want to work with a human partner someday? Probably not after this. I mean, <laughs> it's going to take a pretty special human to replace her. From homeless to hero. Chip Reed, CBS News, Washington. See, we told you you'd love that story. 
On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, we begin our investigative series uncovering systemic failures to combat sexual assault in the U.S. military. We'll speak with survivors, family members, and whistleblowers. Hope you'll join us. And a reminder, if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. Remember, stay positive, test negative. I'm Nora O'Donnell. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Good night. Stephen Colbert here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with my producer, Becca. Becca, what's what's up? So The Late Show Pod Show is everything you love about The Late Show on oh, a I podcast. Want, I want to know about you. Oh. Enough. We, 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 people see everybody in an ad talks about the thing they're trying to sell. Oh. I'd like to know about you, the person behind creating the podcast. Oh, I'm having a really good day. Barry baked some bread and my friend Kara got me some chicken salad. It's a really nice day in the office today. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.